Hi, I'm Bob Ekblad. Welcome to my podcast, Disciple. Today, I want to talk with you about what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus, a student of Jesus, and how that student-disciple status brings us into the family of God, into membership in Jesus' family, where he becomes our brother, and we are all daughters and sons of his father and our father. So we're brought into this family that supersedes all other um, identifications with group, with family, with ethnicity, you know, with nation, whatever it might be, denomination. Here, Jesus, um, there's an occasion that happens where uh, Jesus's mother and brothers come looking for him in Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 46, which I'll read. While Jesus was still speaking to the crowds, behold, his mother and brothers were standing outside seeking to speak to him. So here's the per- perfect opportunity to see how Jesus is going to respond. Is he going to let himself be interrupted by his blood relatives, you know, by his family, according to the flesh? And um, someone said to him, Behold, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. So there's an assumption that Jesus is going to stop and going to um, show preference to his family. But Jesus answered the one who was telling him and said, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? So it's not a given for Jesus that his mother and his brothers are his blood relatives, that that he has a higher responsibility to his family, to fellow citizens, to people of his same ethnicity, of his same religious affiliation, um, or whatever it might be. Although spiritual affiliation is super important, which we're going to see in a second. So in verse 49, in stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, behold, my mother and my brothers. You know, a lot of times people think, okay, well, the disciples, they're all listed earlier in chapter 10 of Matthew, and they're all males. But clearly in the, from this text, we can see that women must have been among his disciples, and perhaps older women, women older than him. So um, his mother, or, you know, someone who was, you know, a mother figure was included among his disciples here. And then Jesus uh, stretches out his hand to, the, to his disciples and says, Behold my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven, that one is my brother and my sister and my mother. So there we even have sisters, which would have been people maybe the same age or similar age to Jesus in his um, maybe 30s, early 30s and or younger. And then mothers who maybe were older women that could actually be his, his uh, biological mother. So, uh, But the father's not mentioned because Jesus' father is the father in heaven. And that's, um, that's a critical, you know, um, figure for Jesus and for his disciples. Jesus is really working hard all the time to um, to point out that to be a disciple of him is um, is super important. Following him is the way forward in his liberation movement. However, knowing yourself as a daughter or a son of the Father is essential. And, and Jesus, uh, his whole baptismal identity, you know, which uh, we see right at the beginning of his ministry, his ministry is launched with that baptism. We're coming out of the water um, the Spirit comes upon him in the form of a dove, and the voice of the Father um, is uh, is heard. You are my beloved Son, or this is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. So that baptismal identity 
you know, which we see elsewhere, you know, like in John chapter 1, those who receive him, who believe in his name, are given authority to become children of God who are born, not of the blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of, of men and women, but born of God. Or John chapter 3, you know, Jesus tells Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Or you cannot see it, and then unless you're not unless you're born of water and of the spirit, you can't enter it. So this new birth is um, is assumed by Jesus. And but Jesus here in this text, he brings together the idea of disciple and child of God, uh, son or daughter of the Father, together in a in a really remarkable way. So whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven, he is my brother and my sister and my mother. Um, last Tuesday prior to Russia's invasion of Ukraine, I was meeting with a group of Russian um, guys in a recovery house in Krasnodar, three hours drive or so from the Ukrainian border, you know, near the Black Sea in Russia. And uh, we were talking about this and suddenly I just kind of got an idea of how I could describe the difference between a disciple and someone who does the will of the Father. You know, because they seem like two different things. If you're a disciple, that's one thing. You're a student. But doing the will of the Father, how how is that different from being a disciple? And so the thought came to me, I wonder if there's someone who's a mechanic in the group. So I asked, is there a mechanic by any chance among you all? And everyone pointed to this guy who was looking sort of disinterested, sitting um, against the wall. And uh, he perked up. And so I said, so... If I came to you and I wanted to be your student and, uh, and be an apprentice and learn how to be a mechanic, and, uh, and I just watched you the whole time, and um, I took notes about everything that you did, um, what do you think? Would I learn a lot just watching you, or would it be um, a completely different thing, and would I go to a whole other level of learning if, if I was there available to do whatever you asked me to do, like... Say you said, "Hey, I'm going to put in this alternator. Can you, uh, you know, can you unbolt the old one, and can you run over and grab that screwdriver?" And so, if I refused to do that, and I just said, "No, I'm just going to watch," um, what, what do you think about that? And he's he not he shook his head, and you know, and the translator interpreted for him and said, "No, you know that that person wouldn't learn anything. You wouldn't learn anything if that's what you did." And, you know, and so it was obvious, right, that if you're going to learn how to be a mechanic, you need to be someone who does sort of the will of the, the head mechanic who you're learning from. And you need to be able to go and, and do whatever he asks you to do. Otherwise, you're not going to learn how to change the alternator. And so that example seemed to work pretty well. It was simple. But, um, but anyway, then we got talking. <clears throat> and I was asking them, I was saying, okay, so... If I'm doing, if we're all disciples, um, do you guys consider yourself disciples? And they were like, oh, yeah, da, da, you know, we're, we're disciples. I mean, these guys in this recovery house were pretty seriously committed Christians, you know, following, um, you know, a real uh, serious process of recovery that also included Bible study and prayer and worship. And, you know, um, there's a lot of movements that are very, um, you know, they're very successful in this you know, in Russia and in the Ukraine as well, that um, are all about like really bringing people from serious addiction to alcohol and, and drugs, um, drugs like meth and heroin and other drugs into, you know, um, you know, serious recovery um, that involves actually, 
engagement in faith communities, you know, where people are actually working together, sometimes in mechanic shops, sometimes on small farms. And it's beautiful, very inspiring. You know, the travels, the three trips we've taken to Siberia, you know, we've worked very closely with these sorts of groups. So anyway, I was saying, okay, so that means that if we're all disciples of Jesus and we're um, seeking to do the will of Jesus's father, who's our father, that means that, um, does that mean then that, you know, we're, our, um, our relationship with each other is a higher level relationship than, say, each of our relationships with our, you know, our parents and our brothers and sisters who, who may not be fellow believers. And they were all like, da, you know, da, 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 you know, yes, yes. And uh, it was pretty obvious that that's what Jesus is teaching here, right? That, you know, turning his gaze at his disciples, um, or I guess um, stretching out his hand towards his disciples. Um, Jesus is, uh, behold my brother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my father who is in heaven, that one is my brother and my sister, my mother. So that real um, clear statement of Jesus that, look, this is the family. Um, these are my brothers. This is my mother. These are my sisters. Um, Jesus is highlighting that. And so I said, so what about our national allegiances? Like, um, would this mean then that my relationship with you guys um, should be at a higher level than, say, my relationship with fellow Americans? So, and, and your relationship with me um, as a brother, as a, as a son of, of, of our same father, would be would be higher level than your relationship to you know to your nation um and they were all like yes i mean yes that's very clearly the case and so i said so yeah that, I, that's how i feel too so i could never shoot any of you then you know if i was sent to you know to fight some war you know um you know to oppose an invasion of ukraine or something like that um because you know we're fellow disciples and we're sons of the father then that puts us in another family that that would prohibit us, you know, from doing harm to one another, wouldn't it? And anyway, uh, they were so happy with that idea. And I said, so I just want you to know that that's how I see you guys. And uh, it was a beautiful moment. And um, and people were touched. And I was touched. And it, and it was an important reminder, you know, because in this day and age when um, everyone, you know, nation states are talking about their own interests you know, um, we as followers of Jesus need to pay attention to Jesus's teachings in a very uh, careful and exacting, deliberate way, and um, recognizing ourselves and 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 embracing this uh, higher level identity as being members of the family of God. And so that's one of the great benefits of being a disciple and being someone who's not just a learner but is a doer, is that we step into this international, global, borderless, you know, family where we have sisters and brothers and mothers um, from every race and every ethnicity, you know, and we're part of this this big picture of the Jesus movement. And um, anyway, let's look at some of, of the next, at the next story. This is a parable. And, um, you know, we look together at this parable and Jesus's explanation of it. And, um, and it's amazingly beautiful how directly related they are and how we can see even deeper levels 
of benefits to being a disciple, to being a student of Jesus. So, Matthew chapter 13. That day, Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. And large crowds gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd was standing on the beach. So now we're going to see whether there's any difference between, um, you know, just the crowd and individuals within a crowd who are, you know, are who may be responding, you know, or not to, you know, to the teachings of Jesus. So um, now we see that Jesus, um, we know that he was in a house in the in the previous statement. So we're seeing um, sort of the household language of, you know, who's my brothers and my mother. You know, um, now this now the language is going to shift once they're outside the house and Jesus is, uh, you know, in in an outdoor environment and um, sitting in a boat with a big, a large crowd of people on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up. And because they had no depth of soil, when the sun had risen, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they were withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. So, we talked together about the different places that um, the seed was thrown. And um, where was the seed thrown in this parable? Well, we see that the sower first um, is described as throwing seeds that fell on the side of the road. And then we see that seeds were thrown and fell on the rocky places where there wasn't much soil. And then we saw also that seeds fell among the thorns. And then finally, we saw that other seeds fell on the good soil. And um, and so, um, what's interesting is that, you know, um, most people who are planting, they see that the seeds are of great value, and they're not about just deliberately wasting the seeds. You know, um, who 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 who's planting a garden is going to just uh, deliberately allow seed to fall you know, on the, on the road, on the pavement, on, in the rocks or in the, in the, among the weeds, the thorns. Um, what does this tell us about the sower? You know, what sort of um, image of uh, the sower do we have here? I mean, you could look at it as uh, in a negative way, right? That the sower is careless and wasteful and, uh, and, and yet you could also look at it positively, that the sower, um, well, does the sower discriminate? Is there any sense that the sower uh, discriminates, um, you know, prefers the, the good soil to the, to the pavement or to the thorns or the, or the rocky soil? You know, and everyone was like, no, no, there's, this is a sower who doesn't discriminate. And wow, that's a powerful picture of God, isn't it? That, that God, if God is, is the sower, if the sower is uh, metaphoric, sort of picture of, of God or of Jesus, we see that, um, you know, that that Jesus, uh, who is right there, um, teaching from the boat to the crowd that's on the beach. And, um, and so the seeds are going out. 
uh, there's no discrimination. Jesus is is giving to to everybody, and he's he's not judging, but he is stating something. Um, he's he's stating that that the that the ground is different, um, and um, and it's up to us to kind of discern, you know, where we might see that difference in ground, and, and do we have this, you know, rocky soil? Do we have pavement in our hearts? Do we have, you know, what's the state of our soil? And that question is brought up clearly in verse 9. The one who has ears. So I asked the guys in the recovery house and in our our Bible study at the the following day, well, who has ears? And, uh, well, everybody. We all have ears. And I asked everybody, how many of you have two ears? And so it was pretty obvious that everyone in our groups had two ears. Maybe not everyone had as good of hearing as as the person who had the best hearing. But once again, Jesus's question shows Jesus's inclusiveness and his non-discriminatory uh, orientation. You know, the one who has ears to hear, which in other words, everybody, um, then let that person hear. Okay, so it's this, this call for those of us who have ears, all of us, to actually pay attention, pay attention. Um, because actually the way that the seed goes into the soil of um, the soil being the human heart is through the ears. You know, the seeds go through the ears. You know, doing this Bible study in Honduras among peasants, corn farmers, bean farmers, it was always so funny to uh, talk about how the way God sows his seeds is... Uh, it's through the ears. We put seeds in our ears. And sometimes little kids would actually stuff seeds into their ears and and into their noses and and need to be even be taken to the doctor to get these things extracted. And so but the idea of of, of you know this metaphor is is powerful because here we're talking not about seeds that are visible, but words, you know, teaching. And um, the examples though make all this come alive. And so there's an opportunity then. All of us have the opportunity to, to hear. And, um, and it's that hearing that allows um, the word to go in. So, you know, is our hearing um, pavement? Is it, is it, you know, is it street hard? Do we have thorny ears, rocky ears, or good soil ears? And in a way, that's the questions that's asked and um, or that's suggested by this parable and and we're told kind of what happens if our ears are pavement. You know, the birds are going to come and snatch up the seeds. And so there's a predatory power that is at work. It's not even the fault of the pavement. It's it's like there's birds that are predatory that are going to snatch away what could be ours and um, that could help us as a disciple. And um, and the, the rocky places are, you know, are, are described as places where there's not enough soil and so the, the seed springs sprouts but then because there's not enough soil depth then the sun comes and scorches the seed and um, and it withers away and so you got to watch out for um, you know for outside you know the elemental the elements the you know the environment that you live in that would be symbolic I suppose symbolized by the you know by the scorching sun and then there's the thorns that come up and choke out the word, um, not allowing for it to, you know, it to really grow at all. And then finally, there's the, 
the good soil that yields 100 fold 60 and 30. So we go into the explanation after this. Verse 10, and the disciples came and said to him. So there's the disciples again. And uh, Jesus, um, you know, is someone who's available to a student of, of Jesus. Any of us that want to be students, that want to be pupils, that want to be disciples, you know, we're, um, our attention is drawn to the actions of the disciples who come to him and say to him. So um, they ask him, why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus answered them. And this is the beautiful relationship between a, a student of Jesus and Jesus. The student asks Jesus questions that we have. And Jesus, the teacher, answers us, answers that he has. And look what he says. To you it has been given, or it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. So here's another benefit then of being a disciple. Not only are you a member of the family of God, because if you're a disciple who's doing the will of the Father, then then you're Jesus's, uh, consider Jesus's mother, brother, sister. And, um, but in addition to that, when we come to Jesus himself uh, as our teacher, as our master, as our professor, he says to you, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. So we have access to the mysteries because of that direct relationship with Jesus, our brother. But to them, it has not been granted. Well, it, why hasn't it been granted? Well, they, they're not coming to Jesus. Okay, they're not in that teacher-student relationship. For whoever has to him, more will be given. Now, this, um, this text for some is a bit of a toxic text. It seems like suddenly there's injustice, there's unfairness that enters in. For whoever has to him, whoever has to him or her more should be given. And um, she, he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what that person has, should be taken away from, from, from him or her. So, wow. Okay, wait a minute. What's Jesus talking about here? Well, I think it's pretty, pretty clear that what Jesus is saying is that those of us, you know, who are listening, we have ears and we're hearing. We're choosing to really tune in and listen, and we're going to Jesus and um, pursuing wisdom from above through questioning, and then we're listening to his answers. Then Jesus is saying, to you it's been granted the mysteries, so you will be given. You will be given, and more will be given. But to those who, you know, who are not opening our ears and tuning in and listening and coming to Jesus and questioning and listening to his answers, even what we have is going gonna, is gonna to dissipate. It's going to be maybe snatched away or going to be choked out or it's going to wither, you know, because if we don't use it, we're going to lose it. You know, if we don't build upon it um, and really build on the foundation of Jesus Christ, you know, then we're not going to have a building, you know, we're not going to have anything. And so Jesus is inviting us, you know, to, to have and to have an abundance. So we have this opportunity to be part of the family of God where we can receive abundantly. Therefore, Jesus says in verse 13, um, and he goes on right now to bring in a whole other text, which is uh, a really difficult text, but very powerful, but we're not quite there. Um, so Jesus says, Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, 
and while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. So there they are, they're, they're seeing, um, I guess, in the, in the natural, and they're hearing, and they're um, in the natural, but, but they're not really tuning in. They're not, um, you know, their hearts are far from Jesus. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, you will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears, they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. So here Jesus is, um, in interestingly, is uh, quoting directly from Isaiah chapter 6, which was this really um, difficult prophecy that um, when Isaiah was was met in the temple in the, t in the days of Uzziah, when Uzziah the king had died, and he has this vision, this heavenly vision, where seraphim are there, and there's this, uh, and everyone's uh, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is full of his glory, and and you know, and and Isaiah sees himself. Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, living amongst a people of unclean lips. For my Lord, I, my eyes have seen the Lord, the Lord of hosts. And then there's this uh, seraphim who goes with a, you know, and gets a coal from the altar, and puts it on his lips and says, you know, your 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 sin has been forgiven. And uh, and so he's empowered. And uh, like he's cleansed and empowered to be able to be a spokesperson. And then God, someone says, you know, who will go? Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. And then um, and then God says uh, to say to them, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. And uh, and so it's like there's this um, this judgment text, really, that's, that's, uh, that's out there that, uh, that is basically saying like, for those that are that are not tuning in, that are not doing the will and um, you know discerning the will of the Father, and tuning into that will, um, they're going to be missing out on all the benefits of being part of the family of God, you know the spiritual family of God. They might be part of the ethnic family of God, you know the the, the people of Israel, the chosen people, in the case of Israel, but but they're missing out on being part of the spiritual family of God. Which here in uh, Matthew 11 or 12, Jesus is elevating. And so um, the hearts of the people have become dull. And this is a huge issue. You know, Jesus is identifying um, the closed ears and the closed eyes with the condition of the heart, you know, where there's a dullness. Um, you know, where our hearts have become callous. Some translations translate calloused. Hearts have become calloused. And and the, the, the hearts are like pavement, you know, because, um, you know, really there's thorns and there's rocks. And uh, all of us, I suppose, have this, don't we? It's not like Jesus is, um, is making a statement that there's some that are just 100% good soil. And then there's some that are 100% rocky and 100% and pavement. It's like uh, there's there's no statement about that. It's it's we could have all these conditions in our hearts as disciples. And so the question is like how do how do we really um, 
give our hearts fully to, um, to just being tenderized. And at this point in our Bible study with the Russians, I, um, I felt really inspired to just uh, ask people if, if, if many of them felt like they suffered from dullness of heart and, uh, and whether for many of them, they, they felt like words were sort of ricocheting off their ears and, and they weren't feeling like the, the message of the scriptures and sometimes the proclaimed word, maybe in the sermons that they were listening to, maybe it was like bouncing off of their, off their hardened pavement, like ears and, and, and hearts and everyone, you know, we all sort of uh, responded and people were raising their hands and I said, well, how many of you, you know, would just like to give, um, just, just open your hearts and just ask um, the Holy Spirit to come and tenderize your hearts. And if you'd like that, let's just put a hand on our hearts and pray. And so we did that and let's just, let's just pray right now for ourselves. So Jesus, um, we, we don't want to be dull of heart and um, forgive us for just allowing so many other uh, priorities to be above the highest priority of being tuned into your voice and, and uh, not listening with our ears, the ears that you've given us, the ears of our heart, and not perceiving with the eyes of our heart. We, we want to ask you to forgive us for that. And, uh, you know, we just confess that we're distracted by many things. And we want to uh, present our eyes the eyes of our heart, the ears of our heart, our physical eyes, our physical ears, our spiritual hearts, our, our physical hearts to you. And just ask that you would uh, help us to see. Just open our blind eyes, open our deaf ears, tenderize our hearts so that the word can go deep into us and we can understand it and bear fruit and not allow it to be snatched away. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus then says in verse 16, But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. So here he's talking to the disciples, and he's, um, he's blessing. You know, he's blessing our ears, and, and I think we can receive this as a blessing. And um, I bless the Russians, and I bless their, their eyes and their ears, and I'm just going to speak a blessing now to you as well. So blessed are your eyes, disciples of Jesus, because they see. Blessed are your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you, says Jesus, that many prophets and righteous people desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So look at that. Jesus, um, once again, he's elevating the disciple and um, differentiating the disciple and saying, there's an opportunity for you to step into this higher level family, the family of God, to be part of the kingdom, to be part of the Jesus movement, to be a part of announcing the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. You can be part of the family now. And that means that it's granted to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. And your eyes and your ears are blessed and you're receiving things. You can receive things right now that, that many prophets and and people desired to see, but but they weren't able to see it and were not able to hear it. But look, um, now is an opportunity, so seize the moment. And this was a super big blessing to our guys. Um, and at that point, I got this immediate um, sense that we needed to pray for someone who had a heart condition. And uh, 
So I brought it up to the guys on the Zoom call, these Russian guys, and my friend Andre, who was translating, um, you know, I just said, hey, can you ask the guys if there's someone there with a, you know, with a heart problem, a physical heart problem? And so he did, and this huge guy just sort of appears, stands up, and walks into the line of sight of the, of the Zoom call. I hadn't seen him. You could, I couldn't see him from, you know, from the screen, the television screen in the recovery house. But he's this guy, maybe six foot five, this giant Russian guy. And he steps up and um, he says, I have a heart condition. Uh, I mean, it was translated to me in rough, from Russian. And I said, well, I asked what the problem was. And he described um, how he had had, um, you know, a serious heart problem. He had to have surgery and his life was at risk. And uh, and so we, we prayed for him. You know, we had him put a hand on his heart and the whole group prayed over him. We, we prayed a prayer and just spoke words of blessing over, over his heart and of healing. And it was, it was beautiful. And, um, and then we got to go right into Jesus's beautiful description of the meaning of the parable. So let's read in verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. So look at that. Jesus is, he's non-discriminating here in a way. Anyone, this can happen to any one of us, right? And so it's not about an us-them sort of thing. It's about like, this is a, a danger for everyone. And um, it happens all the time. God is speaking to us and, and the words are being snatched away. You know, because um, we have a predatory enemy who's out there to snatch the words. And so we've got to be valuing um, this master teacher, Jesus, and uh, the work of the Holy Spirit now, um, who is really wanting to teach us and, and, to, and to bless us and to, and to bless our eyes and our ears. Um, second category, the one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places. This is the person who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Okay, good. Some of us do that, right? We go, yes, yes, amen. And um, yet that person has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecutions arise because of the word, immediately he falls away. Okay, so when there's a cost to, um, you know, to that obedience you know, Jesus earlier had said, the one who um, does the will of my father, he is my, my mother and my sister, brother and my sister. And, um, you know, it's like that's where there's a blockage from being um, a different between being a, a disciple as a student and being one who does the will. You know, someone who just watches the mechanic uh, do his mechanical work and someone who is willing to just get their, their hands greasy and uh, get under the car and uh, and do the work and uh, and to learn through doing and and that difference is significant like if there's a cost to stepping into uh, a disciple relationship with Jesus you know um, it's right at that moment when we balk and say you know no that's too much you know when um, you know we get excluded or persecuted pressured you know by people who don't like how we're changing. Um, it's right at that moment when the, the, the word can then just uh, dry up. Um, 
Verse 22, and the one on whom the seed was sown among the thorns, this is the person who hears the word and the worry of the world. Okay, any of you guys worry? Do you have the worry? Do you experience the worries of the world? You know, can we relate to this? Do When we're in the middle of trying to listen and uh, with our ears um, pay attention to the spiritual um, truths, do the worries come in? And the deceitfulness of wealth, maybe the seduction of just um, wondering about how our money is doing, whether we have enough, whether we, how much we do actually have, is it accumulating or not? Um, that makes it become unfruitful, Jesus says. And then um, in contrast, the one on whom the seed was sown on the good soil, this is the person who hears the word and understands it. So hearing and understanding are two different things. You know, hearing is, um, is just that first step of being, you know, being maybe a disciple where we're listening to the teaching, but then understanding is the deeper work of the spirit that happens when we are in relationship with Jesus and one another where we're, we're asking questions and we're um, letting Jesus be our teacher and answer our questions and where we're receiving that blessing from Jesus of our eyes and of our ears, you know, where we're working on our heart issues and welcoming the tenderizing work of the Spirit. The one who hears the word and understands it, um, who indeed bears fruit. So bears fruit, bearing fruit is the action that, that comes naturally, or maybe not so naturally, but, you know, we, we deliberately seek to practice what we feel like we're inspired to do. Like, I felt called to have people pray, to pray over people's hearts. I felt called to ask if somebody needed physical healing of their heart. I could have ignored those things. You know, all of us have opportunities to respond to the promptings of the Spirit, to uh, to act on what we feel, um, you know, what we feel like we're called to, 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 to do to respond to something. And sometimes we do and sometimes we don't. But the one who bears fruit and um, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. So we have an opportunity, all of us, to be part of um, Jesus's family and to bear fruit. And, um, and, that, and that is a natural effect of you know, of stepping into a relationship with Jesus and doing the will of the Father as as the Spirit prompts us. And so let's try to practice this um, in the weeks that follow. And um, may God bless you in all of your efforts to, uh, you know, to open your ears. May the one who has ears to hear, hear.